In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc in mortis nostre. Amen. Nomine Patris, Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Brethren Christ, laudetu Jesus Christus. In secula. This is Timothy Flanders. This is The Meaning of Catholic. You are listening or watching The Terror of Demons Morning Show, reclaiming traditional Catholic masculinity with co-hosts Kennedy Hall and Jeremiah Bannister. Kennedy, how you doing? Living the dream, bro, as always. Uh, keeping that dream burning alive yes. in Canada. Canada. Canada, of course. Yes. <laughs> oh, Canada. Yeah. That was Yeah, that was last week. So, uh, Jeremiah, how you rolling yes. over there? I'm doing good, man. I'm in the dark, though. I'm in the dark. I, I just realized this. Like, in the, in the pre-show room, it was a little bit brighter, and then it pops on, and I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> but no, it's early, dude. It is early for your boy, but I am glad to be awake, man. It's a good discipline. It's a good discipline, so I got to make it more than Mondays, though. You know, yes. it's got to be just a regular thing. I got to be up. It's the Flanders and Hall method, I think, is what it's just got to be called from now on. And uh, the Terror of Demons method, that's what we'll say. Terror of <laughs> Demons method, waking up early in the morning, dude, kicking butt for the Lord right away. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, this is uh, an effort to put Kennedy's <laughs> money where his mouth is yeah, because he put it in his book that he wakes up at 4 a.m. So now we have mm -hmm. to all wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> it's the oh. dumbest thing I ever wrote down. Or, or else yeah. we're not real men. <laughs> it's 4 o'clock everywhere, though, isn't it? I mean, we could technically yeah, wake up at, you know, 9 and be like, it's 4 o'clock in Timbuktu somewhere. <laughs> in fairness, in fairness, <laughs> in fairness, yeah. I said in the book that um, just getting up earlier than you would otherwise. So if you did the night shift and, you know, different times of the day are fine. I just... The motif of getting up earlier, getting more done. Yeah, well, it's. Uh, I, I know there's certain. I think it's Saint Francis de Sales or and other spiritual authors talk about the importance of getting up early for your spiritual life. And uh, everywhere, at least, at least my wife and I have a, a an opposite schedule. I do my spiritual life in the more I wake up earlier than the rest of the family, and then she stays up later than the rest of the family. So she's got her spiritual time in the evening. Because she's more of a night person, I'm more of a morning morning person. I I can't imagine doing stuff at night. I just lose uh, I lose brain power about seven p.m. You know I me can't too. do that. But, yeah, uh, me too. but I'm yeah. like Dostoevsky, dude. I write my best stuff. The, in fact, the uh, at night, like night owl, big time. The the article I wrote, the blinding light of darkness, and uh, over at Meaning of Catholic, and the one the uh, um, the one about the mass, uh, Raticelli. Uh, wrote that I think it was like four in the morning. I was I was up all night long, <laughs> so I was up all night long by myself in the cave, man. All the lights off, but I'm learning. I'm learning, man, to be to be better about the morning. Right on. Yeah. Uh, well, today's topic is communism. Are we in its final stages? So we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Uh, before we do, just uh, shout out to Beethoven. That was our opening music. I need to start introducing this more because people ask about it. But that was Beethoven's Edgemont Overture, hmm. um, uh, an excellent piece. You can uh, follow the link below to listen to the whole thing. But we are in the 19th week after Pentecost. Yes. Today is uh, actually yesterday. Yesterday was a great feast, St. Therese of mm -hmm. Lisieux. Um, there's a great piece that I really enjoyed over at 1 Peter 5. It's called The Little Way of Beauty. And so it's talking about St. Therese's little way and talking about the importance of restoring beauty, which is absolutely critical. This is uh, a tribute to our wives, uh, especially because this is what I, I talked about last week at um, the Catholic Drive Time, the critical importance of beautifying your environment. Mm -hmm. And how important it is to for your children, for our children to grow up in an environment of beauty. And that's just not something that most men, I think, are gifted with. But I think many women or most women have an intuitive sense of beautifying the environment and making the house into a home. And 
I think this is critical and it's and it's a really a a great ministry and service to the spiritual lives of our children. I think that beauty is especially impactful for children. They can't children cannot understand a bunch of theology or whatever children who are, you know, very small children, but they are impacted by the beautiful and uh, the customs and various things like that. So uh, take a look at uh, 1 Peter 5, The Little Way of Beauty. Any comments, gentlemen? You're right. Yeah, kids, yeah. Uh, that's why this is why the old mass catechizes them because they go there and they go, oh, this is all very important. This is all very, it's all very metaphysical. It's all very symbolic. It just kind of, learned. Chesterton talked about that in uh, Everlasting Man where, uh, I think it was Everlasting Man. I always get them in orthodoxy and my mind mixed up in the quotables. But um you know, basically the idea that Protestant children and Catholic children are raised with a, a literal different psychology. One is in one is in stories, one is in pictures. And the pictures tell the story and give the pictures where the stories don't tell don't give the pictures is kind of how I put it. And that's what children when they're raised in a Catholic environment are raised in the psychology of the pictures. <laughs> yeah. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we uh, closed that door. I didn't realize that my kids just woke up. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, yeah. my you, yeah. you have any comments on I do, your children's man. beauty? I, well, I do. And that's, you know, that's one of them right there that just walked in. You know, it's um, that's actually a big deal to our family. And it's something that, you know, we've we've been trying to to better establish and to better foster in our home and taking incremental steps, you know, even even with the idea of of situating our home in such a way that it's almost more monastic, that everything's got a purpose, that everything is there for a reason to, to try to declutter Mm -hmm. um to try to think to ourselves do we really need this do what is this what's its function does it play into our ultimate value and aim as a family um and how does it how does it uh encourage or prohibit movement in the house or sleep or anything like that but i the article itself though was so good and you said yesterday you're like we, we're going to talk about this so i went and i i have i have it lined up i use the highlighter thing for google the google uh, the Chrome extension. I have this bugger all just lit up, man. It is so well done. The writing is really good. I, I've never read anything by is it Anna. I don't know how to pronounce the last yeah, name. Yeah, Anna Kalinowska. What an awesome writer. writer. What yeah, an awesome yeah. writer, dude. I've never read. I've never read her stuff before. I read this and I'm I'm hooked. I was like I was like I have to read more of what she's written because this was so well done. It's almost it's it's like poetry. Um, her writing style, even her ending was just awesome, and so. Um, I'll probably end up talking about it myself just to, later on in a separate video, just because it was so good. And so I really encourage people to go to go and read it. Um, there's so much there, and especially for the times we're in, and how she made it so applicable to everyday folks, and encouraged people in the little things, and why that's important, and showed how it's saintly, in fact, and we have precedent for it, uh, trailblazers that we were safe to follow. And so, in fact, we're strongly implored to follow. And so, 10 out of 10, man, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, uh, go check it out. I'll put the link below. Um, this week, we will do... I, I'm going to do a, a patron-only show on the most censored topic on YouTube, perhaps. Hmm. Oh, this no. Is, this <laughs> oh, is no. the topic that many people have uh, been asking me about. And so, I need to address it. And I address it in my book. And uh, we're going to talk about that thing and uh those people so because it is about uh the most, yeah. censored, <laughs> the most censored topic on youtube oh, i know now <laughs> a particular group of people oh no <laughs> and if we talk about that group of people uh, there will be a massive censoring happening where are you so, talking about the unvaccinated uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no comment. No. I know what you're talking about. But uh, yeah. actually, no, actually, Kennedy is not. We're not talking about the unvaccinated, but uh, yeah. we are talking about a group of people that uh, have been talked about for a long time. And if you talk about this group of people, you no. get censored or whatever. So some some perfidious folks. So yeah. I, I don't know about that. Isn't uh, that the word I, I don't used? Know that, that might be going too far. Is it, but isn't that the word used? In the liturgy that was changed, so they talk about the unvaccinated in the liturgy. Yeah. Very important topic. Okay, so that that'll be Thursday at oh. three p.m. That'll definitely be a patron-only oh. show. So uh, you have to become a patron, five dollars a month. 
patreon.com slash meaning of Catholic. Yeah. Um, become a patron. You can have the patron only shows. And that, that also includes a, a, a special top secret show with me and Jeremiah called off the record, yes. which is where we talk about off off the record stuff, other other censored topics that we can't talk about, and we <laughs> invent code words to talk about them. Yeah, you invented um, code word Jerry. Now I got a whole bunch of people even on Telegram chat calling me Jerry. <laughs> I it's good though, man. It's smooth. It's it's actually turned into good fun. So yeah, it's okay. a fun time. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll check that out. Um, <laughs> today is also another great feast of another great saint, which is a very unfortunately misunderstood maligned and used and abused and that is saint francis of assisi a great saint with a great spirituality it's kind of like the jesuits the jesuits have been completely corrupted whereas their founder was awesome mm. the same way the franciscans and the franciscan spirituality awesome and when you read the the life of saint francis actually you you need to read uh where is it Bonaventure. Bonaventure yeah. has the life of St. Francis. Yeah. Uh, so you can read that. Um, St. Francis was just fun. I mean, one of the greatest saints. Ever. I mean, top top five, top ten, maybe. I mean, uh, really amazing. He, he inspired such an intense movement of zeal for Christ and the gospel. I mean, you had people leaving their towns to go to Morocco to preach the gospel and get beheaded by the Mohammedans. Because of St. Francis of Assisi. This is what St. Anthony of Padua did. He saw the Franciscan martyrs being brought through the town. And he was seized with zeal that he wanted to also become a martyr. But God had other plans for St. Anthony in particular. But this is the zeal of St. Francis. And this is actually some... There was a few encyclicals, one by Leo Thirteenth, one by Pius XI, where they started to promote, again, Franciscan spirituality for the modern times. And they were already making note that there had been these twistings of Franciscan spirituality into this nonsense way back in the time of Pius XI. And now we have, uh, there's a great article in Catholic Family News called uh, The Assisi Meeting versus Francis of Assisi. And then they just compare how St. Francis went to the, the Sultan and he tried to convert the Sultan and all this. So it, it, it's... It always gets me riled up. St. Francis of Assisi. He wasn't a coexist Catholic? Is that what you're trying to tell me, Tim? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I can break it to you. But, uh, one time, I got to tell you a story about St. Francis. One time, first of all, you know what? I'm going to try and get Father Isaac to come on, by the way, talk about. Um, he's easy to get a hold of, but he's just one of those mysterious, like, itinerant preachers. You know, it's like, yeah, I'll be there. And it's like, you don't see him for three months. Uh, <laughs> he's off, like, casting out devils and saving souls. And um, but uh, he's he's got great stories about being a true Franciscan. But one time when I was working at the high school, it was Earth Week, which was the most important religious week for the for the religion department, obviously the school because they're heretic. So um, uh, they I was I would do the morning announcements and I would read these prayers and stuff. And I usually would just lead the school through a Hail Mary or a Saint Michael prayer and offer a thirty second reflection on something. And it was always well, it was always very orthodox, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one day, as part of uh, Earth Week, they wanted me to read the St. Francis prayer. Now, that canticle of the sun, okay, that famous one. Now, because modernists of our day never actually read anything all the way through and never actually do any actual scholarship, none of them had actually, this actual organization that was propped up, it was called like, you know, Francis Earth Keepers or something stupid, right? You know, Catholics for the environment or something dumb. They had a whole resource. They had this whole thing for Earth Week that everyone was excited to use. So they hand me this thing to read. And I'm like, what am I going to read here? And uh, it was a canticle of the sun. This is how daft these leftist environmentalist Catholics are about the actual truth of the faith. They copy and pasted the entire canticle of the sun, which I was totally fine with. Usually, the committed environmentalists who are old-school modernists, they'll stop it about halfway through, where it just talks about Sister Moon and Brother Wolf and all this kind of stuff. This one went all the way through. So the last, like, three stanzas, it was about woe to those, if you look at it, you know, it's like woe to those who die in a state of mortal sin. And so I read this prayer, and I got to that last part, and my smile was from ear to ear. <laughs> I'm reading this and I was like, I'm reading the earth prayer guys. And in front of the school, I'm like, 
woe to those who die in a state of mortal sin. And I just, <laughs> yeah. and people were horrified. I'm like, I just read the prayer you wanted me to read. And I was like, this is the best prayer I've ever read in my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it worked out. And so it, it worked out. They tried to co-opt him, but he had his revenge. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. That, that reminds me of uh, a, a great text. This is uh, the glory of the cosmos, which is all about the Catholic approach to the natural world. And uh, one of the one of the chapters is called "Brother Wolf or Robo Dog." Are animals just <laughs> computers? And they talk about the story of Saint Francis and the and the wolf. If you know the yeah, story, man, uh, yeah. which is a great story. Uh, yes. But th this is um, <laughs> yeah, this is the true the true of Saint Francis is, is wonderful. So who's that by? <laughs> Oh, this, yeah. So that we're going to have this is edited by Thomas Stork. If you know Thomas Stork. Oh, yes. Jeremiah knows. Who's, yes. Stork is Jeremiah's buddy uh, from back in the distributist days. Right. It's true. Yeah. Um, so Thomas Stork is coming on the show next week. Uh, so hmm. that'll be great. That'll be on Friday. So we'll talk to him about this. This great text. And what's the name of the book? One more time. Uh, the book is called The Glory of the Cosmos. Hmm. And it's by Aruka Press. <clears throat> OK. And. Yeah, it's a great text. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and he is a fantastic writer. Recovering, I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, Catholic yeah. approach to yeah. the natural world. Um, so that'll be fun. So yes, yeah, so uh, yes. Once again, t check out the uh, patron only show this Thursday, and then uh, Jeremiah, what's happening with uh, Paleocrat Diaries? Before we get into, oh, yeah. I wanted to, Kennedy, I wanted you to talk about the Lepanto, yeah. but uh, mm -hmm. Jeremiah, what's up? What's up with Paleocrat Diaries this week? With Paleocrat Diaries, we are we're moving on. Hold on, let me. I got, I've actually just uh, spoken with two different people who call themselves members of the Yellow Book Club. Uh, they actually went and spent 50 bucks to buy this. And I, I've spoken to them. They've shown me on video where they're like, dude, I got it. <laughs> and so they, they're, people are going out and buying enthusiasm. The, the press that puts that together, the University of Notre Dame Press, they're going to have to give me some kind of credit. I should be getting some kind of money <laughs> from this. They're probably selling more editions of this in the last two months than maybe ever, but we're we're talking about Anabaptists and the Reformation because we just got done talking about George Fox uh, and his Quaker friends, and it's funny because you know it's it, it's it's not as exciting as Jansenism or Sedevacantism and all that stuff. But man, people got to watch that. It's hilarious. The the Quakers, the early Quakers, and buggers were nuts. And so we we talked about them, and then we're going to go into the pattern of medieval heresy. That kind of connects the the dots between earlier groups like the Donatists and uh, the Donatists and Montanus, you know, to say like, how did we get from there, and then kind of skip a skip a beat through medieval times and get all the way up to George Fox and company? And you say, well, this is how, and this is where those heretics were, and and maybe the effectiveness of our inquisitions, <laughs> and so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and we try to make it cool every time, but there'll be two two of those episodes uh, this week, and then I'll I'll put together um, a live chat. Actually, the the Wolfpack chat over on Telegram, it's gotten awesome, man. Like there's a lot of people who are over there now, and and we talk to each other. They wake up, they're sharing stuff in the morning, saying good morning, and asking each other for what do you want us to pray for. It's a little pack of prayer over there, and it's totally awesome. And I, well, last thing, I, I did an interview last night with a buddy named David, and I'm, I'm really excited to be introducing him this week on the show uh, because we talk about the St. Teresa of Avila, her method of meditation and mental prayer. And I also interviewed my buddy Luke about his conversion story, how he was raised, is a pastor's son, he was going to be a pastor. He helped me come into the church, and I thought he was a Catholic, and come to find out, He'd gone through RCIA and didn't show up on Easter Vigil. <laughs> and I was part of the crew that helped him eventually make the decision to finally do it. And so we, we got, did this amazing thing with both of us. And uh, so I'm going to, I have two, two interviews I'm editing right now and some other ones coming up uh, this week. And so lots and lots and lots of activity, man. Sweet. Awesome. But yeah. we also have the very great feast of our, our Lady of Victory this Thursday. Mm -hmm. Great article by Roberto de Mate, which actually was translated by Kennedy Hall. Uh, this is coming out on one one Peter five, which is a little backstory to Lepanto, which is lesser known, which is awesome. I never knew this story that he told in, in this. Uh, there's an, a glorious martyrdom that took place before Lepanto, and uh, that'll be on Thursday, one Peter five. 
And Kennedy, he wrote an excellent article over at Catholic Family News on the connections between Guadalupe and Lepanto. So shout out to Catholic Family News. Go subscribe to uh, a great print newspaper. Um, so Kennedy, any thoughts or anything you can share on that article? Sure. sure. This is um, not a well-known story in the popular sense, but it's not unknown in the sense of people who read read, uh, let's say, inside Catholic baseball literature. So um, basically, the story is behind the name Guadalupe and how Our Lady of Guadalupe was actually linked to the Battle of Lepanto and was uh, the banner that Don John of Austria flew on his ship as he led that uh, fateful fleet in that was part of the major victory there. And so I'm not, I won't read the whole uh, thing here, but I just, I don't want to get my facts wrong. So I'm just going to read some of the article just so I get it right. But so we take it for granted that Guadalupe is a Mexican term and anyone who's been around Mexican culture has probably seen Our Lady Guadalupe on everything from t-shirts to bumper stickers to <laughs> tattoos on the forehead. I mean, everything. Um, now, but you have to remember, Marian apparitions tend to be named after a location. So for example, Our Lady Fatima, Lourdes, Knock, La Salette, and so forth. And, and Our Lady Good Success is a, is a, um, is an exception, but it's about the actual purification. So it's actually it's it's actually kind of Our Lady of the Purification. That's the time and the day. So that's one of the the differences, but still linked to an event or a t or a place. So where does the time Guadalupe come from? She did not appear at Guadalupe. She appeared in Tenochtitlan, in Mexico, essentially, um, or on Tepeyac Hill. So shortly after the death of Christ and the resurrection, St. Luke crafted an image. It was, uh, he was a physician, an author, and an artist. He arguably began the practice of iconography and began a tradition of statuary of Jesus and Mary. One of these statues of the Blessed Virgin was eventually brought to Spain three centuries later by St. Leander and enshrined in a church in Spain's Extremadura province, where it stayed for several additional centuries. The Islamic conquest of Spain began in the early 700s, and despite what modern history books look like to admit, it was a reign of terror for many Christians, forced conversions, executions, etc., etc., etc. Now, <clears throat> the invading forces destroyed or converted much of the Catholic locations and buildings. Churches were turned into mosques. We've all heard the story. Almost everything was destroyed in the church where Luke's statue of the Blessed Mother was kept. By a miracle, the statue was preserved. Um, now, it's said that a, faithful, a group of faithful Catholics found a way to take the statue away and hide it for safekeeping. They put it in an iron casket in the banks of a nearby river called Guadiana River. The same river was known as Wolf River or Lupe in Latin. The Extremadura region was embroiled in conflict between Muslims and Catholics for hundreds of years. When Muslims were in command of the area, they called the region by the name that the Spanish had used. Colloquially, the local river became known as Vadi or Wadi, which means oasis. So, with the two names combined, it became Guadalupe, and that became Guadalupe. The region was eventually recaptured for Christendom, uh, but the statue was lost. One day, in the early 1300s, a local shepherd experienced a vision of Mary while tending to his animals. He was told about the statue and where it could be found. He told the bishop, and a team was sent to find the statue. They found her, just as he said, in good form. Many miracles happened, etc., you know, pilgrimages and so forth. It became a whole thing. Shortly after the discovery of the statue, Portuguese King Alfonso IV and Castilian King Alfonso XI united and made pilgrimage to the new shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. They entrusted their impending battle uh, with Muslim forces to her. The Catholics were successful, and the reconquest of Spain accelerated from there. Before sailing across the ocean... Mr. Christopher Columbus made a special pilgrimage to Our Lady at the Shrine of Guadalupe in Spain. Bishop Juan de Zumarraga, Mexico's first bishop, and the man who received the tilma from St. Juan Diego, gave Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico this same title because he recognized clearly what he saw. He started as a Franciscan monk in, you guessed it, the monastery at Guadalupe in Extremadura. Uh, thus, he was very familiar with the story. The Mexican Our Lady of Guadalupe stands on a crescent moon. This corresponds to scripture where it says, and a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a, a crown of 12 stars. From Revelation, we've all very much heard that. Now, because she's standing on a crescent moon, it also symbolizes to Christians that she would conquer over Islam as well. Now, Our Lady of Al, uh, Al, Almudena, that's what it's called, is another statue of Mary from Madrid. It was brought to Spain by St. James and was hidden during a time of Islamic conquest as well, rediscovered centuries later. This statue, which has a similar story to that, a statue of Guadalupe, is also standing on a crescent moon. Bishop Zumarraga, 
of Mexico recognized the continuity between the statues and the apparition of Mexico. Fast forward, okay, 40 years after the whole Guadalupe situation in Mexico, and I write about it in um, this article here. I hope I did a good job. And um, so 40 years later, there is the Battle of Lepanto. The battle is raging between the East and the West, essentially. Don John was charged with commanding the military enterprise that would save Europe from another takeover. John was the half-brother of King Philip II and was the illegitimate son of the Holy Roman Emperor. Although a son of Spain by blood, we obviously know him as Don John of Austria. Years earlier, Don John made a pilgrimage to see the Spanish shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the one from which the Mexican image takes its name. It left him with a lifelong devotion. As news of the conflict between the Crescent and the Cross rippled throughout Christendom, the Archbishop of Mexico sent a replica image of the Mexican apparition that was touched to the actual image. The image was hung on the flagship of the fleet. Our Lady of Guadalupe led the charge of the Battle of Lepanto. The battle was that saved Europe. Don Juan is what he's called in Spanish. That was what he was known colloquially in his family. So Don Juan protected Europe under the banner given to Juanito. So there's a continuity there as well. Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego and Our Lady led Juan of Austria. Um, as for the copy of the miraculous Mexican image, it came home with Genoese fleet and you can find that in Italy today. So Our Lady of Guadalupe saved Europe and that's just the story there. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I, I love that story. If you haven't heard it, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe Extremadura and its connections. And really Our Lady of Guadalupe is the Empress of the Americas and uh, all of us Americans over in the Americas have a great devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a whole other story, which we'll go over at in December. Time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, so let's get into our topic. Communism, are we in its final stages? Kennedy, you have a theory or hypothesis about that. Yes. And like all great theories... Um, this came to me as I was walking my dog late at night last night. So it's, uh, I'm going to work it out on air here. So <clears throat> hear me out here. We, uh, Tim, you and I have read this on the air before. And, and Jeremiah, I'm, I'm positive you're familiar with it. Um, Father John Harden talks about America being obviously a Marxist country. Mm -hmm. And he gives all these reasons for it. <clears throat> Fine, fair enough. Um, we know Our Lady said communism would spread and so on and so forth and whatever anyone thinks about the consecration of russia it didn't even if it did happen it didn't happen for a long time <laughs> so there was a lot of time for things yeah. to spread um and clearly we're living under something that seems a lot like communism right now i don't know if you've heard of this thing called the lockdown and um so we're living in a very strange time as far as that goes so what does that have to do with think well personally I've been, so I've been driving around, I, I live out in a rural area, everywhere is hiring, everywhere is hiring, every single place I drive by, there are literally signs where they're like, we pay $5 an hour more than we did last week, plus we'll give you benefits and a dog and a toaster, please come work at our store, and <laughs> by the way, we'll give you an Xbox on the side, like it's just, <laughs> it's, and we're talking yeah. about like sweeping a warehouse kind of jobs, everywhere is hiring like crazy, yesterday we were at a fair, and it actually was great, um, we had one altercation with an elderly man who was a boom, uh, volunteer who, anyway, he wanted to make us wear masks and we declined and that was, anyway. Um, and then we talked <laughs> to another guy. Um, he, we talked to another guy at, at the end of the thing. He was at the tractor display and um, he was probably retirement age and we started talking about things and my wife was saying, oh, this is a wonderful thing, our, you know, a taste of the old normal for our kids. And they had a wonderful time. Absolutely wonderful. They went on spinning teacups and whatever, all the, the midway rides and stuff. It was wonderful. And um, but this guy, nice guy, average guy, he was a farmer. And he said, we said, you know, we love the touch of the old normal. And he immediately went, oh, there's no more normal. We're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> and I'm like, anyway, it was very off-putting. So... <laughs> But oh. I realized my wife and I were pontificating on the way home, as you do. You're always worried if they're going to come after your children here in Canada because you're not vaccinated. And um, we were thinking, are they actually going to do that? Are we actually going to go full on? Are we going to be in camps at some point soon? And I'm not predicting anything. God only knows. But I thought to myself, you know, I've been to Cuba multiple times. 
And as a Spanish speaker, I've done ex exploration and talked to locals and things. I studied a lot of communism university because I did a degree in French and Spanish. So they taught me how to be a communist. Um, uh, you know, and, and in my personal life, I've done a lot of reading about the Illuminati and the revolutions and things and how that all links and whatever. And, and the one major thing that's missing right now, which makes me think that we're in the last stages of it. The one major thing that's missing is purpose. If you look back at the communism of the days where it was instantiated as the new normal in a sense of, of building an empire, there was a promise to the youth in that communism. The youth were promised that they were going to be part of building something. They were promised they were going to build the new Soviet. They were promised they were going to build a free Cuba, literally Cuba Libre. That's what they call it, Roman Coke down there. Um, they were they were thought that they were going to build the new China, you know, free from the shackles of of uh, monarchy and so forth. You know, I think the myths, right? I mean, all these they had a founding myth that this revolution was going to build them the new society, where there was a purpose and a hope. Even in places like Russia, you know, juxtaposed was the Bauhaus architecture and the total brutalism of the whole thing, where they rejected all the good through and the beautiful, but all the pursuits they put people in were classical music. Uh, classical dance, uh, cultural folk dance, and excellence in sport. Um, so it was like they kept the people, and military supremacy. So they kept the people going with uh, this idea that um, they would be part of this new world that they were building that would be better than the last world. And everyone had a purpose and everyone had something to do. And, every and for better or for worse, if you go to a communist nation, everyone's busy because there's always something to do. Even if it's useless, there's something to do, which keeps you busy and keeps you from going insane. Hitler had the youth, literally Hitler's youth. Uh, you read 1984, and um, one of the themes of that story is that they, they have basically a Hitler youth, but for 1984, you know, this sort of, I can't remember what they're called, the party juniors or something, the cadets or whatever they are. Anyway, there's none of that. There's n I, I realized this yesterday when I was talking to these old men who were just total brainwashed wackos when it came to uh, lockdowns and vaccines and stuff it was so off-putting it was like it made me it was gross you know it was like ew you just said to me in front of my children there's no more normal you suck at being a salesman i don't want your communism nobody wants your communism yeah. and you know there was a video that came out yesterday from hamilton which is an hour and a half for me major university town mcmaster marauders good football team and uh there's like 15,000 kids in the street for some homecoming thing. Not a single one is wearing a mask, not wearing very many clothes. They're just out there in the street being drunk and being morons. They couldn't give a hoot about the virus or the lockdown or any of this. They don't want any of it. Um, they're all vaccinated because they had to do it to go to school, but they couldn't care less. They're totally disinterested in any of this. Um, none of these young people like Dr. Fauci. Yeah, the odd guy on TikTok and they, that goes viral and he's a little wacko or something, but they don't care. They don't care. They've, it's, it's, it reminds, what well, the reason why I'm saying, I think we're in the final stages is secondly, if our lady said first, if our lady said it was going to spread, that was imminent. Okay. That's what I think. So it started spreading when she said it would spread. And we've talked about this Tim before, but furthermore, when I look back at the final days of heresies, because that's what communism is, is a heresy. Okay. Whether it's Albigensianism or, or the ones you've talked about on your show, Jeremiah, when they get in the end, they start getting really weird. They get really, really, really weird. It's like Albigensian is like everyone's starving themselves to death and committing suicide. This is weird. Um, Manichaeism starts to get really weird. Um, uh, Jansenism does. Gets That's really when they start weird. doing the convulsions <laughs> at the cemetery. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it gets yeah. really weird. Why? Because error is ultimately suicidal. Okay, because error is a rejection of the truth, rejection of God, rejection of God is rejection of life. So communism is ultimately a suicide cult. It's the death of a society, which is why uh, when it goes away, wherever it is, it just kind of goes away. It's like one day it's there and the next day it's like it's just dead because there's, it just has no more life left to it. It just it physically dies. Um, so I'm looking around right now and things are getting really weird and they're getting, you know, what could be more indicative of a suicidal communist cult than a governor of a of, of second largest or whatever state in America, whatever New York's population is, the Empire State. On the one hand, she's preaching at a church as a woman, <laughs> uh, talking about how those who are taking the jab are listening to God, and those who are not 
are not listening to God and they're not smart and you have to be my apostles. It's the cringiest thing that anyone's ever seen. It appeals to nobody unless you're a wacko. Everyone under the age of 40 who can walk and chew gum is going, what is this old lady smoking? Like they don't care at all about what this lady's saying. And then she fires like, I don't know how many thousands of nurses because they don't get vaccinated. It's like, yeah. so uh, it's, it's, it's actually suicide. It's we're going to kill everyone for your health. <laughs> We're going to take away your access to health for your health. Um, anyway, that doesn't mean it's going to get any better. I'm not saying things are good. What I'm saying is it's getting so weird. It's getting so illogical that I think we're in the final stages of it. And the reason I'm saying that is because I see no future, because I see no youth. Youth don't want this. They have told them in Russia, they taught them to love their country. They taught them to want to build their country. Here they've taught us to hate our countries. They taught us to hate our countries and not want to build them because they suck. Um, they taught them to uh, be hardworking, to be enterprising, to go out and be excellent. Here they told everyone to stay home and get fat and watch Netflix. So I just, I think we're in this weird stage now where we're in the, 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 the logical suicidal ideation at the end of the weird heresy that we're experiencing, which I think is why we're seeing this purge because that's all that's left. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker over at the Brownstone Institute, he made a really amazing article called The Purge Has Begun or something. And basically, this is all that's left. There's no, there's nothing left but to purge. At this point, there is no, the, the idea is either you've either accepted it or you haven't. And if you haven't accepted it now, you're just not going to accept it. So now they just have to purge everybody out. But that can, that hastens the collapse. I'll stop talking in a second here. But it's kind of like the end of the Second World War where... Why on earth were they still sending people to concentration camps, whether Jew or otherwise? Why? You could have sent them to the front line. You almost won the war, for goodness sake. You could have sent them to the front line and made them just human fodder. Give them a rifle with two bullets and said, hey, 10,000 people that we just took out of a camp, just go run at those guys because you're going to die either way. Maybe do something, and if you live, we'll give you a cookie. You know, They could have done something like that. That would have been advantageous. That would have made the enemy have to waste their ammunition. But they didn't. They said, no, we're going to hasten the final solution. It makes no sense. Why does it make no sense? Because it's error, because it's heresy, and ultimately it's a suicide cult. I think we're in the suicidal stage of communism. That's my thought. Jeremiah, go ahead. I'm not as, opti I'm not as optimistic. <laughs> I'm not as optimistic about it. Um, you know, it's. I, I, I would agree if it was like... You know that a certain brand of communism for example you know and i think this is a, an illuminati a, a, a trick of the illuminati right uh this kind of use of uh, dialectic in this way to say uh one group is is starting to phase out and the the establishment order of a civilization as it's on the decline it's it's lo is losing control right and and you have emerging models that are coming up to that really hot uh, intersection, right, where everything goes crazy. And that emerging model, um, they have a really, really good way of not only kind of taking control of that <laughs> and riding it, so they continue, which is how they continue through multiple seasons and cycles of civilizations. But but then it that also, even though it was against their model, uh, the civilizational model before, it, it the, the new one, plays out the same way, right? So for example, um, on the one hand, we can see that I think you're right, that people don't have um, a, a sense of purpose, right? And what what is it all about? And you use the example of the older guy who said, there's no going back to, to that normal. There's no normal anymore. A young person would actually say, no, there's a new normal. Mm -hmm. And that new normal is already cooked in. That new normal would be would be things that we see with uh safe spaces with in fact you guys up in canada you are a great example of this i actually i, I looked this up here just to make sure i had the right people uh your health ministers in quebec and alberta are some of the most unhealthy health ministers i've ever seen in my life mm -hmm. and they're the kind of people right like the you know 700 pound recluse bedridden trying to be part of the batman movie or something like that that's the kind of thing you're seeing going on there with that and yet that's completely normal and they'll tell you what's healthy and unhealthy mm -hmm. and and same thing with denmark or los angeles and and they'll tell you no it's perfectly healthy that little jimmy becomes little sally and gets the snip snip down there that's perfectly normal 
And so what the idea of the old meaning, what people thought was meaning before, that's gone. You're right. That's toast. Mm -hmm. But what is anticipated, right, from the from the regime that now to this point, how many of the leaders, including you guys as prime minister, how many mm -hmm. leaders are using that phrase openly, the new world order? They're For saying sure. the phrase. Yes. And, and I think that new world order they're talking about is a, is a continuation of this. And they're propping up the decrepit, you know, a weekend at Bernie's version of communism and saying, look, guys, this thing. Bernie is, Sanders. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're propping it up and saying, look, this is this is bogus. And they're replacing it with the new trendy, highly youth driven notions of equity uh their their version of social justice and i hate i hate using the phrase that's it holds a, a great place in catholic tradition the idea of social justice in fact it, uh chesterton and company chester Bell, they'd be rolling over in their graves hearing that and say social justice is that <laughs> i don't think so and so they've they've stolen it like the rainbow flag right it's just another thing these folks have stolen but but that Right and and cancel culture and that whole uh, program, right? That that whole model that to me is is communism, whatever point, whatever at this point in the cycle of how the establishment rolls this kind of thing out and allows the previous models to die. I agree. I just don't think it's. I just don't think the youth are buying it enough. Like, think of the kid that they've think of the think of the type of person. And this is pitiable. This is not me trying to, 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 to dump on anybody. Think of the type of person who makes the new normal their religion. It's a very sad kind of person who's usually very incompetent and usually very out of shape and usually very weak. Seriously. Yes. <laughs> so, so I'm again, sorry to laugh like, about that, but you're, well, you crack me up, man. Usually. I think I think about like, <laughs> yeah, think of the kind of guy who bought into like uh, Soviet world domination. It's like it's like he was the world Olympic super heavyweight amateur boxing champion and captain of the Russian hockey team, and then he became yeah. a KGB agent. I it's just uh, that's a very competent whatever the error is in the philosophy. It's a very competent individual. Whereas now it's like you know I spend a lot of time with the youth I have over the years as a high school teacher and stuff. Even 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 in the secular funded schools and stuff. Most of the kids are really indifferent to everything and they don't care because it's not appealing. The kids who latch on to this weird communism are very damaged and very sad. Mm -hmm. um, they're very loud on TikTok and those things and the media amplifies this stuff, but they don't, they don't want it. They just kind of eh, like, they just, eh, I don't want this. So why I'm saying the final stages, it could be 20 years. I'm just saying, I, I, it's like it is the weekend at Bernie's things. Things are. I just think things, yeah. things are decaying. The decay could take a while. Yeah. But I just. I don't see because literally yesterday, what was that guy on Twitter? He was some Democrat, something or other. He's freaking out over the Texas heartbeat law. So he's like, I'm introducing a bill where every man over the age of forty with three children has to get a vasectomy. Yeah. And no, it's, it's like. <laughs> Yeah. You're just, you're so insane. You're oh. so crazy. You're so crazy. Only crazy people that only crazy people like you. No one sane likes you. Only crazy people are your friends. Yeah. All your friends are, are should, yeah. would have been in a rubber room in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And um, because of that, okay, you don't get the, you don't get the world beater competent people to want to be on your team because you're literally saying, I want no virile men. It's like, there goes all the men with testosterone. <laughs> right yeah you know so not that it's i'm not hopeful it's not this is not me being optimistic or saying around the corner is some glory it's just this is just it's wacky weird unsustainable and like any great heresy the end stages are very weird and very messy and i just think we're yeah. entering into a weird final stage that's all i think, I think uh, no, kennedy yeah. i wanted to that reminds me of something you've said on this show before and that the new communists are not willing to work for it they're not willing to basically go out and take a rifle and confront the government or something like that because mm -hmm. the the youth as you said are indifferent I, it seems to be that they're addicted to their serotonin levels that they get out of their social media whatever mm -hmm. and they just want to vote in the great reset new world order or whatever as long as 
the great reset just gives them instant pleasure all the time and they can just uh sit on their couch all day long well actually so most they, they don't, they don't actually either. have they don't have the gumption and the, and the the perseverance to want to go out and do a bunch of stuff and work really hard to put in place whatever they want they just want to be fed and uh have their pleasures well they don't work either i'm sorry they don't vote that's like actually young people just have a low percentage of voting all things considered um <clears throat> so yeah it, it, it's like if you go to cuba you know they, they 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 kept the bullet holes in the wall of the capital on purpose <laughs> um when they had their actual insurrection uh with jeep willie you know they have the jeep willie on right there and shay and fidel and all those old school guys they came in with their rifles and whatever they chased the president down and shot him or whatever and um it's very hardcore you're going like for better or for worse, Che Guevara was uh, totally a Marxist, but the dude was rugged. I mean, he was <laughs> he was willing to go and die for his principles. I don't know a single person besides I don't know a single person who's not a traditional Catholic or faithful Protestant or some devout person who's just believes in God. Basically, I don't know a single person who would die for their principles. Now, in fact, bringing up principles almost makes people get upset at you. You know, this idea that you would have something. You know, why are you such an extremist, man? Come on. So, I um. Yeah, it's 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 a very uh, it's a double-edged sword of, you know, how how do you create a society that accepts communism without a fight? Yeah, you create a society that doesn't know how to fight. Okay, that, well, then that, how do you get them to fight? And that you know? and that brings up uh, when you talk about principles, brings up something that people have been talking about in the chat. Uh, TRN slash our, our friend over in India is saying, isn't America more of a state of liberalism than that of communism? Isn't it more a case of liberalism morphing and taking on Marxist characteristics? See, the interesting thing that you just mentioned, Kennedy, is about principles, because the the American Revolution was propagated on a principle of negation. This is what I talk about in my book, is that the enemies of Christ, they cannot create an alternative to Christendom. All they do is they unite on the principle of negation. They're united under not that. Mm -hmm. So let's all unite under not monarchy. But there's no positive principle. Their positive principle is just freedom. But freedom for what? Freedom so that you can do what? Freedom, what exactly do you mean by that? It's just freedom to just be free? To, to be free to do what? So there is there's this strong principle of negation. Now, in American history, I think that there was a, a great deal of a positive principle uh, in terms of there was American patriotism. I think there was a, a great deal of Christianity in America, which provided a pro positive principle in the United States mm -hmm. because there was kind of a general um, quasi public official Christianity that was that has long mixed in with public rituals. So there's certain public prayers and certain public stuff. It's kind of like this quasi religious virtue building Christianity that various government officials have basically presented. Uh, so there has been certain positive principles that have provided that uh, alternative, but because it's not founded on, on anything solid, it can very quickly erode and quickly be replaced by something else because the principle of negation is more powerful than the positive principle in the, in the American. I, I would say that for liberalism in general, liberalism in general, the principle of liberalism is basically not Christendom. That's the, that's like, <laughs> yeah. you, you want to yeah. boil down liberalism. It's just all about yeah. not Christendom, whatever it is. It's not Christendom. That's the principle of liberalism. It's just being free from liberalism or fr sorry, free from Christendom. Um, so when your principle is just not Christendom free from Christendom, yeah. Then you can just replace that with something else ad hoc, uh, because the principles of communism are the same principles as liberalism, same principles. And so they're founded on similar principles, same principles. So they've morphed in and out with each other. Mm -hmm. And they're all just revolutionary movements attempting to be not Christendom. Attained would... by different means, right? One, one being one being robustly more statist. And, but using a statist, but using, it'd be more of like a matter of emphasis, right? So a traditional communist, it would be more 
the state as a heavy hand would say, well, we're, we're going to be able to implement this. We have the, the socialist art that we're trying to promote even <laughs> that, that will show everybody, you know, the proper way to, to stand and proper way to work and everything else and their, their submission to what we're doing. Uh, whereas liberalism, uh, you're still dealing with the state. Right, You're, the state being a heavy hand in this, but also using various so-called cultural mechanisms like Hollywood, uh, the corporate elite, um, things like that. And and I wrote down here as you guys were talking, you know, I was like, I just wanted to say this real quick that when I love what Kennedy said about how things are getting weird at the end of these heresies and that things go out of control, and we can see that. Um, it's kind of part of God's plan with, with the curse, right? That if you, mm. if, if you do not sub, uh, subject yourself to him, and if you decide you're going to be this, this autonomous antinomian individual, uh, that's not going to play very well for you. It might for a short period of time, but eventually the demise is death, right? That's not mm. leading to life. And it's the same thing with the body politic. Mm. And I think that so often that curse uh, ends up in the body politic itself. I mean, we're, we are aborting ourselves to death, yep. contracepting ourselves to death, LGBTQIA and everything else ourselves to death. And, and we can see that in a way that says when that becomes the norm mm -hmm. and, and they say that that's the normal. So we're at that place, Camille Paglia, and I don't support <laughs> her all the way, yeah, but, she's, but smart. she's, she's smart. She's yeah. yeah. And she's right when she says in history, Whenever these civilizational models begin falling apart, mm -hmm. when that ends up happening, you can tell there are certain symptoms. And one of the mm -hmm. most obvious ones is the ascendance of, number one, the, the so-called feminine, the ascendance of the feminine. Mm -hmm. But also uh, with that, um, kind of like, you know, a gay guy in a bathroom with the ladies in high school, you've got the LGBT stuff starts rising up. And so you start seeing mm -hmm. that. And, and it turns into a war on words. Yep. Right. And this is when Kennedy said, um, are these people willing to fight? That is such a good point. Are they willing to fight? I don't know many that will go to the trenches or to the foxholes, but that's kind of also relying a little bit on an old definition of warfare yep. because they're to them. It's a matter of definitions. It's a matter of info wars. Yep. It's a matter of narratives, whether Hollywood or corporate. You saw it in the mall walking by and you can see the impact walking through the mall you got some of the most grotesque ladies no offense but some of the most grotesque ladies on posters now as mm -hmm. as symbols of beauty and i said you know it's like it's, it's bad enough to see the uh the uh, victoria's secret models the angels and stuff it's quite scandalous to see cover your kid's eyes when you walk by but now you know at least you were covering it from overly exposed beauty now it's you know overly exposed not so hot and it's like it's kind of pendulum in the different direction but it's also uh lawfare right uh legislating their immorality um limiting access to public space limiting people's ability to work limiting people's ability to get food limiting all the things that they've come to appreciate unless they subject themselves and submit themselves to this power that is a different kind of war Mm -hmm. And that is easy for people to do with their click clacktivism. That's an easy <laughs> thing. They can sit at home and just click clack away and change the world. And by change the world, it means making it rough for folks like us. And so mm -hmm. that's all I would add to that. But it's, it's, I, other than, I, I love what he said. He's right. Kennedy, what are your final thoughts? No, that's right. The definition of war needs to change. Um, and and you're right, it has changed. You know, like I don't think they'd ever want to have a World War II again. I just I think it's just not really in the cards for what they'd ever ask of us. Um, I don't think it makes any sense for them to try to do that because you know to do that you have to stir up feelings of patriotism, and I think they've really tried to squash that out of us. You know, um, and I will say, you mentioned the word info war, uh, not to get too Alex Jones ee on here. Um, <laughs> But, you know, there's a reason why people love that term info war, because it really I mean, it's almost like the 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 actually two things. One, we're talking about liberalism and communism. I would distinguish. For the sake of distinction uh, between the kind of like when you distinguish between the Freemasonries, if you read the charges of the liberal Freemasons, the original Whig types, they were I mean, 
at least in their charges, they made it very clear that you had to obey civil government, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas the Illuminized versions of the continental Europe, they were out and out, destroy king and altar and throne and all this kind of stuff. So that was very different. Um, and I think we see that dialectic playing out between the American Whig Freemasonic mentality, which is very much a naturalist, which is not materialism, versus the Eastern uh, almost pantheist materialism that's sort of redundant on itself, but that's playing against the West. And we see that dialectic between the various errors. One be more preferable than the other, because at least it's a little closer to sanity. Anyway, so, but with, um, with the info war, uh, there's still, someone in the chat said something about a parasite. And I thought that was interesting. Basically, they, 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 that's the word that would encapsulate yeah, evil, I'll put it up, it says evil is parasitical, so the measure of, of the parasite is a measure of the host. Depletion of moral and spiritual capital of Christendom affects what it feeds on. So the idea being that evil is a parasite, that makes perfect sense. That's That encapsulates everything I was trying to say. So eventually the parasite destroys the host, and then when there's nothing there, the parasite dies, which is why it's absurd. It's a, it's a reduction of absurdum sort of thing. They have to move on to something else, I guess. But So um, with the information thing, it becomes a battle of reality versus unreality. Uh, and definitely unreality is very attractive in a very brave new world sort of sense. However, it's also, um, it's very tiresome. You know, it's like Chesterton talks about the, 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 the empires that were ending as, as Christianity was uh, ascending. And uh, he talked about the Babylonians where sort of like the, the time in the afternoon when the child is very bored at just playing the whole time. So he starts to do really terrible things to the cat. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, like the way the analogy he uses, uh, or you know, the, in the morning of in the morning of paganism, it was it was revelry and Bacchus, the god of wine and things, and in the end of it, it was uh, it was it was eating the hearts of <laughs> men you've just sacrificed, and it's like that got really weird, and um, so the the unreality becomes very unattractive at a certain point. So the the battle of information is there. Um, but now uh, it's a battle of, of uh, natural versus unnatural, and that's interesting to see play out as well. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll keep talking as, as we uh, continue to watch what the Marxists are up to <laughs> and uh, figure the out inside the scoop and everything. Uh, yes. So <laughs> the um, we also, if you need any help at all, we've been trying to help uh, patrons and viewers. If you have, yes. if you're losing your job, if you are in a situation like that, please contact me. We'll try to get you connected with whatever you need. If we can help you in any way, meaningofcatholic.com slash contact. You can send me an email and we'll try to connect and figure out what we can do for each other. We need to, especially in our time, um, whatever your opinion is about COVID-19, there are various opinions I think that are reasonable, but we, we are quite certain Whatever we're disputing about, we're quite certain that the Marxists are trying to take over. So let's get real about that. Let's work together. We are the body of Christ to truly support one another. So this is very important right now that we we stay united and work together against the Marxists. So yeah. contact me if you need anything. I'll see what I can do to help you. So let's offer up on our father against the Marxists and for Christendom because Jesus is king. Yeah. And that is our only hope. In nomine Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, quies in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello, et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimitri nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitribus debitoribus nostris, et nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amaro. Amen. In nomine Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Jesus is King.